0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along Verse by Verse with Pastor John. We are in the book of Genesis, chapter four, starting verse one. Experience death. What a difficult topic I think Americans run from death. I don't want to go to the funeral. Uh, I don't want to view the body. But can I tell you, you won't be able to escape your own funeral, right? We're going to cremate you. We're going to view you. We're going to throw you in the coffin. And there's no escaping death. Now, God has brought forth life through his creation. We've been reading about that. That's the good news. God is pro-life. He's into giving life and blessing. But man has brought death through his sin. Mankind has fallen. Eden is lost. Actually, I think Eden still exists at this point in the Bible, but it's locked up. We've been evicted. Adam and Eve have been kicked out of the garden. And there are a flaming sword and an angel to make sure they do not come back in. And creation will become a mess with pain, suffering, murder, and mayhem. Have you experienced it yet? I have. Do you know that evil is real? and most evil is man-made. So don't blame God. He made it all perfect. He made it paradise, life, and joy, and singing, and colors. It's man who has fallen. It's man who has corrupted and brought in the pain, and the suffering, and even the curse. The scripture says, therefore, just as through one man, this is Adam, sin entered into the world, And death through sin. Do you see where death comes from? Our sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. We have all sinned and we will all die. This is a part of the real world. Control your sinful self. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. Now the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. Genesis is the book of beginnings, the beginning of everything, creation, heaven, earth, man, the beginning of good, and now man is bringing the beginning of bad. We do have the first birth, which is a gift from God, that beautiful baby boy, right? What is he called? Cain. And the word Cain, the name Cain, refers to uh, like a metal smith, a creator of instruments of farming, because we will see Cain becomes a farmer. And she said, I have begotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Yes, your baby is a gift from God. How can you look into that beautiful, pudgy, smiling face and not recognize that there is a creator? And we have been created in his very image. Every child, every baby has worth and value. In God's sight and hopefully in ours, verse 2, again, She gave birth to his brother, Abel. It is the two famous brothers, Cain and Abel. Now, the name Abel, and to God, names mean things. Maybe your name has a meaning. It means breath. It means temporary. Because somehow, maybe mom knows this baby is not going to live a long time. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Husbandry, right? Farming, you have animals, you have crops, right? And they're both into this trade of husbandry. Abel is a shepherd, right? Cain is a farmer. One takes care of the flocks, the herds, the animals, the sheep, and one takes care of the garden, grows the crops. Verse 3. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Now I want to point out God's name, Lord, all caps. It's the personal name of God, Yahweh. I don't know why exactly, But God's name keeps changing in each chapter. In chapter 1, it was talking about God, and God created, and God said, and God blessed, right? And then the next chapter, we have the Lord God. And now in this next chapter, we have Lord Lord is God's personal name. Maybe it's God's way of going from the generic to the personal. Instead of just God, it's like I give you my personal name, Yahweh. It's time to give an offering to God, to recognize God, to pay respects, to give him a portion back of all creation, all his blessings, all that he's given you from your occupation, Cain. He is the keeper of the ground. He has his gardens, his fruit, his vegetables, his orchards, if you will. And he comes to give his offering. Verse 4, Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings. Firstlings is kind of like first fruit, firstborn. Firstlings of his flock, probably baby. Sheep, would be my guess, and of their fat portion. Now, the fat belongs to the Lord. Have you ever read that scripture? I have a pastor friend, he's very large, and he says, Pastor John, I belong to the Lord, because the Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord. Well, that's not what that means. (laughs) What it means is uh, the fat of the meat so you kill the animal, you cut it up like a butcher, and you burn the meat to the Lord. And the fat portion, you would burn the fat to the Lord. You're not supposed to eat the fat. I know on our barbecues, we love the fat. I love to eat the fat. It's juicy, right? People say it's not healthy. Give the fat to the Lord. You burn that portion in the burnt offering. So as I read this idea of the first firstlings of his flock of his animals and the fat portion the way he's giving these animals is through sacrifice he's killing them he's bleeding them he's cutting them he's burning them to the Lord yes this is animal sacrifice it's true in the Old Testament some would bring like a grain offering and bring crops as an offering and some would bring more popular the animal sacrifice And you may ask, well, how in the world do these kids know about the animal sacrifice through their parents? If you go back, Adam and Eve, when they covered themselves in the fig leaves, God made clothing for them out of the skins of animals. I believe God taught them at that time animal sacrifice. They killed it. They bled it. The animals had to die, right? Death comes into the world because of our sin. The animals are sacrificed to cover our sin. The institute of animal sacrifice, and then God skins the animals and makes beautiful garments for them because the leaves don't cut it, right? We need some clothing, warm clothes, animal skins, And so Cain is giving the fruit as a sacrifice. Abel is giving the animal and the blood. There is a concept in the Bible, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You could bring your broccoli and your spinach and your asparagus to God, but he demands blood. His law, later we realize the law demands blood. The blood of animals covers our sins temporarily until the blood of Christ, when he dies on the cross, he removes our sin from us. What does it say as far as the east is from the west? So can I tell you from the get-go, it's my opinion, That Cain's sacrifice is no good. I don't want that broccoli and that spinach. I want barbecue. It is a wrong offering, and it is a wrong heart, and it is a wrong motivation that Cain is bringing. And Abel is following it right. He's bringing the blood, the animal sacrifice. He has a righteous heart. He comes in faith. And the Lord had regard... For Abel and for his offering. Abel does it right. You see, God accepts both his offering and him, both. Verse 5, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. God rejects both the offering, the wrong offering, and the wrong person, the wrong attitude, the wrong motive. I believe you can give the right offering to God in the wrong way. Okay, God, here's my check. I really don't want to give it to you. I think God's like, I don't want it then, (laughs) right? Okay, God, here's my leftovers. You know, I'm supposed to get first fruit. I'm supposed to get the best. Oh, God, I don't want to give you my time, my service, my talents, my abilities, my money. You know, part of worship is we show worth. How much is God worth to you? Do you value him? I'm not going to give God one nickel. But boy, I'll spend it on the casinos or I'll throw it away doing something frivolous. But I show no worth to God in giving offering, time, talents. Oh, I'm too busy to worship God. How much is God worth to you? And I see two brothers with two different attitudes. One really values God, and one doesn't. We'll just give God our leftovers. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Some kids, you could see it all over their face. I am so mad, right? My face is red, my teeth are grinding, I'm shaking out of anger, right? Some of us, I guess, have the poker face, you know. You can bluff, we can't tell what you're thinking or feeling. But some people, it's all over them. And can I tell you, it's obvious that Cain is steaming and angry and upset. I hate my brother, and I hate God. And I hate his stupid little offering. And he brought that little cute baby lamb and he cut it up and he burned it to God. And I just hate it all. I wish I never came. wish I never gave God my fruit and my hard labors. He's steaming. He is so angry. It is a love triangle. Have you seen it? Usually a love triangle is more romantic, more sexual. Somebody is cheating, you have another lover, and it's going to end in devastation. I've had friends where the love triangle ended in murder, and one person walked away and the other was dead, yes. This is going to be a love triangle which will end in death. God is in the middle, and there is a jealousy There's one jealous of the other. I'm so jealous of my brother because God favors him. God loves him. God accepts his offering, and God rejects me and my offering. I'm so mad, and I love God too. Do you really? How can you love God and yet hate your brother? The Bible says. He's steaming, he's fuming, and the anger is growing out of control. And it's all over his face. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? It's so obvious. I could see you fuming and shaking, and you're so mad. Why are you so mad? Can I tell you, when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know. He can read your heart. He can read your mind. He knows your motivation. He's giving you a chance to speak, to come clean, to open up, to get it off your chest. Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? God is saying when you live the right way, you have a happy face. What does the world say? Oh, put on a happy face, paint it on, you know. Be fake and phony and pretend you're happy. How do you get happiness? You get happiness by living the Christian life. How do you get the joy? By having Jesus in your heart. Happiness and joy comes from living the right way. It is the byproduct of serving God and loving God, and now you have happiness. It's not you paint on the fake face and you pretend you're happy when you're really not. I'm really mad and angry and I hate my brother, and I wonder if secretly he hates God. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's like the crouching of a demon. It's like the crouching of a lion or a predator. And it's right at your front door. It's ready to sneak into your heart and into your soul. Are you playing with anger and revenge and hatred, and you just won't let it go? It's building. It's festering. It's becoming demonic. And Satan and his demons will use it, and you're opening the door to the devil. You need to shut the door and keep the devil in the night. Get him out of your heart, out of your soul, and out of your life. You need to control yourself, control your sin, control your passions, and your desires. What does he say? And its desire is for you. It wants to control you. It wants to take you over. You must master it. Have you ever given yourself over to lust, pleasure, anger, hatred, passion, gambling? craziness, outrageousness, violence, murder, mayhem, and you just let yourself go. That's the world. That riotous life, the carousing, the deeds of the flesh, the Christian life is the fruit of the Spirit. I keep my passions under check. You know, when I was a teenager, I used to just think of crazy things like, Right in the middle of this class, I'm going to stand on the desk and throw my papers in the air and yell and scream and make a big scene, right? You ever just think of outrageous things, but you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to control my thoughts, my passions, my drives, my desires. I see these murderous movies, criminal stories of humans that became monsters because they acted on their impulses, on their drives, on their lusts, on their angers, and they had no holding back. And they became vicious and murderous and heinous and did the most horrible atrocities beyond imagination. People can become animals. Humans are sinful Now, as I look at the Word of God, it tells me we're all sin, and we're all capable of doing horrendous, sinful things. The world, the school system says, oh, you're a good little boy, you're a good little girl. Oh my gosh, no, you're not, you're a little brat. (laughs) You ever read Lord of the Flies? You know, little children left to their own devices become savages wake up to reality we call this the total depravity of man and it is in all of our hearts and so death comes because of our sin and one of the most horrible sins of all murder will enter the world we have first john 3:12 explains the situation not as cain who was of the evil one, the evil one is Satan, Cain is of Satan, and slew his brother. For what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Two brothers, one good and one evil. You ever have a a big family of kids and one is just the little white sheep and one is the little demonic black sheep and you're like, what's going on? Free will, choices. Some of us reject Christ and some of us accept Him. Some of us live in the darkness. Some of us live in the light. You can't blame it on your parents and your background and all your past. You are accountable for your actions before God. Verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother. Now the NIV says it a little deeper. It says, let's go out to the field. Let's be isolated out in my little garden where I have my tools for gardening, you know. And as a metalsmith, he can make his little hoes and pitchforks and shovels, but can I tell you, gardening tools can be easily changed into murderous weapons, and we will read of the first murder mystery of all. It is a true story, and it is solved by none other than God himself. Let's read it. Verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother, and again, the NIV says, let's go out into the field. Come over here. Let me show you something. i got a secret, Right? And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. I think working that ground, tilling and hoeing, pulling weeds, it makes you strong and buff. And I think the other brother sitting around playing with sheep kind of makes you weak. I'm the older brother. I'm the stronger brother. I'm the farmer. I know I, once I get him down. I can easily take him out. (sighs) Most victims are murdered by somebody they know. It's relational. When someone is murdered, they always check the family, the friends, the spouse that's out with a new lover spending all the inheritance money or the insurance policy. It looks a little suspicious, to me." It is the consequence of Daddy's sin. All the way back to Adam, right? Don't disobey because the the day you eat of the fruit, dying you shall die. You will begin the decaying process. You will begin to age and you will die and you will bring sin and death into the world. And now we have the first proof of it. I think it's more of a punishment, it's more horrible than instead of you dying, that one of your babies die. I think this is horrible to Adam and Eve, and I think this is a parent's nightmare to bury one of your own children. You expect to die, you expect to bury your parents, but you never expect to bury your children. It is the consequences of sin that God wanted to protect us from. And sin itself has its own way of destroying us and killing us and maiming us and wreaking havoc in our lives. Confess your sin to God. Come clean, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? God knows where he is. Didn't God ask, where are you? He's searching for Adam. Where are you? God knows where Adam is. God knows where the dead brother has shed. You know, the blood is a big puddle. God knows where he's at. But he's giving him a chance to confess. And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.